Welcome to the All of Christ for All of Life podcast, brought to you by Canon Plus. This week's episode is a talk from Pastor Toby Sumter, entitled Courtship for Dummies, from the Collegiate Reformed Fellowship Collection on Canon Plus. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to check out more from the Collegiate Reformed Fellowship Collection on Canon Plus. All right, let me ask God's blessing on our time. Father, we uh, commit this time to you. We ask you to be here with us. Give us your Holy Spirit. I pray that you make us wise. I pray that you give us the right balance of um, fear and trepidation as it applies to this area of courtship and seeking a spouse, but also the right kind of ambition and joy. We ask for it in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so I titled this uh, talk, Courtship for Dummies. Apparently, there's a lot of you. <laughs> one, of my, one of my favorite uh, quotes from Pastor Wilson is, um, um, he said uh, a while ago, I don't know if he wrote this down somewhere, but I've just kept it with me, but he said, you know, with, with regular dating, you can have two idiots, but with courtship, you can have as many as six. <laughs> if you don't understand what that means, clearly you need to be here. So let me uh, begin, that's, that's the, the man, the woman, her mom and dad, his mom and dad, right? there's, there's, there's your six. Maybe more, I don't know. Um, I wanna begin with a definition and then I have 12 points, 12 steps for you guys. You've heard of 12 step programs, here you go. All right, the first is just a definition. Uh, a simple, very basic definition is courtship is getting to know someone under the blessing of God and her parents with the goal of marriage. That's, all I, that's what I mean. Okay, so courtship is getting to know someone um, under the blessing of God with her, with, with her parents' blessing and permission, um, looking for a spouse, looking to get married. Just because you court someone doesn't mean that you're gonna marry them. Uh, it means you're getting to know them to see if uh, you're a good fit, if, if this is the Lord's will. Um, just a quick note on the language um, of courtship or courtship. Uh, I don't think there's no need to be cranky about uh, specific names, but I would encourage you to lean into calling what we do in this community courtship. And, and you'll say, well, that's, it'll sound weird. Well, it, actually, given the world we live in, it's, I think, important for us to actually be signifying regularly that what we're doing is different. And so that would be the reason for arguing for you to pick up that terminology as much as you can. And people say, why do why you say courtship? You say, well, because what I'm doing, what I'm interested in doing, isn't just dating around, hooking up, etc. I'm not interested in that. What I'm interested in is pursuing uh, a woman. You're interested in being pursued by an honorable man uh, with the purpose of uh, pursuing marriage, starting a family, uh, et cetera. So I think there's a good reason to lean into that language, embrace that language, don't be embarrassed by the language. But if one of your friends um, you know, gets asked out and says that um, they're, um, they're dating somebody, you don't have to pull them aside and do Matthew 18 with them. Um, and if, if you're courting, you should definitely go on dates, right? So I'm, I'm into dating in that sense. But um, I think there's a reason uh, to embrace the language of courtship. Just don't be cranky about it. Okay, 12 steps to how to not be a dummy when you're courting. Step one, first rule, don't go shopping if you're not ready to buy. Don't start what you can't finish. Are you ready for marriage? Are you likely to be ready for marriage in the next year or so? You say, well, what do you mean? <laughs> what does it mean to be ready for marriage? Well, you need to be relatively healthy spiritually, financially, and vocationally. These are the three categories. Healthy spiritually, financially, vocationally. First, spiritually. You should have regular Bible reading habits and habits of prayer. You should be a regular church attender and involved in your church. If uh, if the girl's father asks you, where do you go to church? It sh you should know, first of all, and, and your pastor should know that you go there, right? It's, it's some bare, bare minimums here. 
Um, but you should be a Bible reader, a, a person of prayer. Um, you should be a church attender and involved in your church. And this goes um, both ways for young men and young ladies. And there should be no backlog of unconfessed sin. Spiritually healthy, spiritually um, prepared to be married means you're walking in the light and you know what that means. You're not walking in the dark. You're, not, um, you're under a pile of unconfessed sin. Um, uh, the sins you know about, you've confessed and you're walking in the light. You're walking in the joy of the Lord. Um, and for young men in particular, you're asking a father and uh, a potential uh, spouse, woman, to consider letting you become her spiritual leader. That's, one of the, that's what you're asking when you say, can I, get to know, uh, can I get to know you better? Can I take you out? Can I have your permission to take your daughter out? You're, you're asking, would you please consider me as a potential spiritual leader? Now, it doesn't mean that you're, you know, a pastor. It doesn't mean that you're that kind of spiritual leader. But the question is, is do you know what it means to be spiritually healthy? Are you spiritually healthy? Secondly, you need to have uh, you need to be financially healthy. Um, men, you should be paying your own bills, have a relatively organized budget, and if a father asked to see your checking account, you could show him a pattern of faithfulness. Notice that I didn't say, um, you know, that uh, you have, you know, $100,000 saved up already. Um, now, some dads may require that, and sorry. <laughs> I can't help you with that. But bare minimum, if you're going to ask someone out, if you were going to ask someone out, you would want to be in a place where if they said, can I see your books? Um, it's not, um, you know, bounce checks and overdue payments and um, a bunch of char over, you know, charges for because you, you uh, dropped, your, your balance went below zero. You know, that, that wouldn't be, that would not be good. Okay. Um, but paying your bills, supporting yourself, uh, not getting ch chased by collection agencies, not piles and piles of debt, uh, that would be a bare minimum healthy health financially. You're asking a father, a woman, to consider letting you become her provider. Um, on the flip side, I would say here for young ladies, you, if, to be in a position to be asked, um, you're not in the exact same position, but nevertheless, if you're being considered as a potential wife uh, and helper, uh, you would want your books to be organized too. Uh, you would want, um, even though you're not the one uh, needing to be the provider, you should still want to be someone who knows how to keep books. You want to be uh, someone who could help a man keep a budget, so you should be practicing that now also. Third, vocationally. Are you ready vocationally? Uh, men, you may not have your vocation all figured out yet, but do you have a track record of working hard? Do you have good references from your employers? Uh, and are you putting yourself into a position to be able to land the job you're looking for? Are you, can, is the end of your training in sight? Are you, um, are you, how's college coming? How's job training going? How's your apprenticeship going? Is, is that coming together? Again, it doesn't necessarily mean that you've landed the contract that you're gonna work for the rest of your life, but is it clear that you know how to? Is it clear that you know how to work, you know how to work hard, your bosses like you, and there's a real good chance that um, given where you are and the training you're getting, it's coming uh, fairly soon at the very least. Okay, number two. So number one is don't go shopping if you're not ready to buy. Those would be some things to check. Are you spiritually ready to buy? Are you financially and vocationally ready to go shopping? Number two. Don't put anything in your Amazon cart you wouldn't want to accidentally buy. Is that clear? <laughs> what I mean by this is it's kind of like the other one, um, but I'm specifically thinking of um, online interaction, texting, and messages. Right? Sometimes people know they aren't ready to court or get married, but they flirt a lot anyway. Sometimes this is in person, but sometimes it's particularly nefarious because it can happen behind the closed doors of texting, messaging, chats, etc. But don't chat electronically in a way that you would never dream of doing in person. Don't chat in such a way that you, if you did it in person, everyone around you would think you were pairing off. If you wouldn't chat like that at Bootsers, if you wouldn't chat like that uh, uh, you know, in front of everybody because you know everyone would start talking, 
And what are you doing it electronically for? It's the, it's the same it's the same thing. So um, that's what I mean by don't put anything in your Amazon cart you wouldn't want to accidentally buy. Related is just a general warning about gravity. It exists. Just, just remember that. And what I mean is that God made the world in such a way that when men and women spend a lot of time together, things happen. Right? It does. Um, so be careful about friendships. Be careful about friendships. It's great to have a group of friends, but work very hard to vary it some because otherwise you can inadvertently create a quadruple date. Right? Nope. You, it can be perfectly innocent. You know, there's four guys and there's four girls or there's five and four, whatever. It's like, you know, poor guy. But anyways, um, <laughs> but my, my point is, is that it's, you can have just a group of friends that hang out and if it's the same people that hang out all the time, there's this thing called gravity. And it just slowly starts pulling people together. And you say, it was completely innocent, nobody asked anybody out, and now we all like someone. Right? I could have told you that, you know, six months ago. Right? It's this thing called gravity. So, yes, have friends, have friends of the opposite sex, and hang out. But if, if you don't be don't be idiots. Don't be dummies. Uh, vary it. Mix it up some. Make sure that you're, it's not just the same people every single time. Three, don't point your gun at anything you aren't willing to destroy, which is just a good firearms rule in general. Um, but what I want to talk about here is um, I just want to talk, I actually want to hit two things side by side, which is um, the, the dangers of um, of courting, sex, marriage, and the glory of it. So guns are awesome. Can I get an amen? No, 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 all right, okay, all right. And, and so is sex and marriage. But it's also dangerous. It's also dangerous. Um, when I'm, I've talked about marriage um, a number of times, and one of the things I like to put, point out when I'm talking about marriage is um, uh, one, of the, one of the things that you notice um, as you're reading through the Bible, particularly in the Old Testament, is um, some of the laws surrounding sexual sin and then parent-child relationships can seem to modern sensibilities to just be really, really harsh. I mean, sins for, uh, um, penalties for premarital sex, adultery, homosexuality, or rebellion of children. I mean, penalties in the Old Testament law could be all the way up to death for those sins and crimes. And I, I, I haven't done it as much recently, but for a number of years, I would uh, go up to the University of Idaho, usually around this time as the, as the classes are kicking off, and I used to do some open-air preaching and just meeting people and sharing the gospel with them. And one of the most common things that people would bring up is the death penalties in the Old Testament. They would say, I can't believe in a God that would do that. And, um, and for a lot of Christians, it's the kind of thing where you say, yeah, I know, it's kind of, well, you know, I don't know. And, and you try to make excuses or apologize for it because you're a little bit nervous about the whole thing. But, but rather than being at all embarrassed by the death penalties in the Old Testament, we ought to lean into it and say, you know what? God is God. He knows what he's doing. And if he puts this, like, big flashing red lights around marriage and says, watch out, watch out, watch out. Big flashing red lights and, you know, and barbed wire fence and says, if somebody crosses this, you might need to put them to death. That might be the best thing. We, we ought not think that God's overreacted. We ought to think God knows what he's doing. He's the one that invented this thing, right? Um, uh, the... Uh, so, you know, you think about the guy that says, um, you know, maybe your neighbor one day's walking in with a big box full of stuff and you say, hey, what you got there? And he says, a bunch of uranium. And you're like, what, what, are, you, what are you doing with all that uranium? He says, I'm gonna go down to my basement and try to split the atom. 
And you're like, uh, no, no, please, please don't do that. <laughs> you're kidding, right? That's not really uranium, right? And he's like, yeah, no, no, no. I think, and he's like hardcore libertarian, I think that we ought to have nukes just like the feds. <laughs> you say, ah, I like guns too, but no, please. <laughs> and then he says to you, why do you care what I do in the privacy of my own home? What are you, some kind of pervert? And you say, you say, no, you say, the reason I care about what you're doing in the privacy of your own home is because it's not gonna stay there. If it goes right or wrong, we're all dead. We're dead, right? And what, seriously, like, we're, like, that's what happened. That's what happened in our country. Like we are living in a um, sexual Chernobyl. Right? That, that's what happened in, in the 1950s and 1960s in particular. Everybody said, it doesn't matter. Have sex however you want, whenever you want. And everybody started playing with uranium. And we're living in the fallout of that with massive, massive um, uh, you know, incarceration rates, fatherless rates. I mean, we've, we've, it's like, I mean, why, why did we legalize abortion in 1973 and why did 65 million babies get murdered? so everybody could have sex. Right? That's, that's what we did. Right? That's the nuclear fallout. Way worse than Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Right? So it, um, I, I like to describe marriage then as nuclear. Right? It's nuclear. And, you know, and if, if somebody says, you know, um, you know, what do you do? Oh, I, I run a nuclear power plant. Say, oh, wow, that must be hard. And he says, no, I just wing it. <laughs> you, you say, please don't wing it. <laughs> please, <laughs> please, I'm begging you, right? So, but, but at the same time, nuclear power is glorious. It's potent, it's glorious. And so th that's, that's what I mean by don't point your gun at anything you aren't willing to destroy. Guns are glorious. Marriage is glorious. The marriage bed is glorious and it's potent. It's potent. And the central reason why it's potent is because that's where people come from, right? Now, that, and that's one of the central things that the whole so-called sexual revolution has tried to deny. They, they sort of uh, um, officially, vaguely agnostic about where children come from. We don't know, it's a mystery. Right. I mean, that's kind, of, that's kind of officially where they are, and I don't have time to um, uh, actually connect the dots, but the fact that the Supreme Court has said that um, homosexual couples are the same as heterosexual, as heterosexual couples is them, in effect, declaring all our marriages gay. Because as, because as far as they're concerned, since Obergefell, at least, they're saying, as far as we're concerned, um, in order to be married, there need not be any possibility of procreation, right? Because if two dudes have exactly what me and my wife have, then as far as they're concerned officially, procreation has nothing to do with marriage, right? But that's, a, that's, one, that's, the, that's one of the central lies that we've been fed. Families, marriage is where people come from. That's where people come from. And they come from, they come from marriage biologically, through sexual union, through a conception and pregnancy and childbearing. They come, um, even, even when, it's, um, when children are adopted or brought into homes that way, through foster care, those, those, those are people being nurtured and made uh, into fully mature men and women. I mean, all, all the way, you know, it's not just we're not, you're not just making the people in the sexual union, but it's in how they're brought up. Whether they're brought up in a loving home, whether they're brought up in a loving marriage, whether they're, they're fed well, whether they're loved well, whether there's laughter, whether there's forgiveness, whether there's teaching and discipline and care, all those things, they all go together. They all blend together to make people. And hopefully many of you grew up in homes where you saw that on display and you think, man, I can't wait to have a marriage like my parents. Hopefully many of you grew up around dinner tables where it was just a blast and it's still one of your favorite places to be. But even if you didn't, and maybe you grew up in a harder situation, maybe you can understand from that side how potent it is, right? 
So um, I want to definitely underline marriage is glorious. It's glorious, and you should want to be married. You should want it, but you also want to be careful. Four, the goal of marriage, I just noted this, is starting a family. The goal of marriage is starting a family. And so I'm taking it as a given that you should not ordinarily enter into a marriage planning to, quote unquote, wait for, for a while to have kids. Which is, this is again, one of the central lies that's frequently fed is, well, you can get married and then you can decide down the road. Well, uh, no, I think ordinarily, when you get married, you should think to yourself, we get to start a family. That should be the plan. Um, so this means that you should ordinarily plan that if the Lord blesses, you could have a child about nine months after marriage. So just, again, thinking in terms of, am I ready? Am I ready to get married? Well, if that would be the, you know, if that's an ordinary possibility, and the Lord opens and closes the womb, just because you get married doesn't mean you'll have a baby nine months later. But you need to be thinking, we're, we're going to be actively doing the kind of thing that might get us a child in nine months, right? That should be part of the plan. Uh, five, while different families, cultures, and communities may vary to some extent, not may, they do, they do vary to some extent, I would recommend a yearish as a reasonable amount of time to court, get engaged, and get married. A yearish, ish. I'm thinking about six months to get to know each other well, and about six months to plan a wedding, give or take. Right? That's not that's not thus says the Lord at all. But um, that's generally um, enough time. Now, this may be extended somewhat if your very first date is literally the first time you met them. But I don't know why you'd do that. But if you did, maybe, okay, so give yourself some more time to get to know them. I'm also thinking about our community in particular, where a lot of you um, have grown up together, a lot of you are going to school together, a lot of you are going to spend a lot of time together before anyone asks anyone out. And so I'm assuming there's going to be generally a fair bit of knowledge about one another, but where there's less knowledge, then don't, um, don't rush it. Um, also, this Time frame might be extended uh, if you live on opposite sides of the country, um, you're far away from one another, it takes longer to see one another. Of course, don't, don't, um, this is don't go home and tell your dad, Pastor Toby says you have to get married in a year. I didn't, no, that's not what I said. But I would say, it, given our community and the kind of time we spend around one another and the fact that you can drive anywhere and be there in five minutes, there's, you're seeing one another a lot more often usually and I think about a year works. Six, different families may have different expectations for who you need to talk to first, but the biblical principle is that you must honor father and mother, and young ladies are under the protection of their fathers in particular. So my recommendation, and I think the ordinary expectation in our community is that if you wanna ask a young lady out, you should ask her dad first. I recommend asking dad first. Um, um, introduce yourself to him. Tell him that you'd like to get to know his daughter better. Can you take her out for coffee sometime? Um, now, at some point, a father may give permission to his daughter to, set, to accept an offer to go on a date without asking first, but maybe he would say, please um, let me know if you think you're going to go on a second date with him, that kind of thing. And I'm thinking maybe here particularly of older daughters that move out of the house, um, that sort of thing. I can imagine um, one of my daughters is, um, uh, has finished college and is, is living on her own. I might at some point say, if, some, if, a, if a nice man asks you out on a date, you, if you think it's a good idea, um, you can accept. And, um, but let me know if you think you would go on another one. Let me, let me know. I'd like, to be, I'd like to meet him. Um, but, but I would say ordinarily, if we're talking about... Um, young ladies that are still under their, uh, in, the in the home or at least uh, pretty closely, directly under their father's um, uh, protection in that sense, um, ask dad first. Be direct. Um, related to this, um, guys, don't be weenies. This is just a freebie. This isn't even on my list. <laughs> but, um, but it's just an important principle. Don't you agree, ladies? Um, and what I mean by this is there's a temptation for guys to 
do the friend thing until they're pretty sure that maybe she'll say yes. That's being a weenie, okay? Don't flirt, 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 flirt. I'm pretty sure she smiled in such a way I think she's gonna say yes. Um, that's, that's lame. That's, that's really lame. Um, you know, um, uh, be a gentleman, be, be a friend, be an honorable friend, but don't push the limits because you're trying to get a yes before you actually ask. Right, don't do that. That's being a weenie. Be honorable, honorable, honorable. And, um, and you know it's the right kind of honorable when even if she did like you, she's still a little bit surprised. Not, I was wondering when you were gonna ask. Right? I know that sometimes happens anyways, but your goal should be to be the kind of honorable friend who's not pushing limits of friendship in order to get that um, secret yes before the real yes kind of thing. Don't be weenies. All right, where was I? Um, seven. That was completely free. I didn't even, it was not even on the list. Um, seven, uh, remain chaste in every way throughout courtship. Remain chaste in every way, thought, word, and deed. Most serious Christians understand that they must remain sexually pure, but we live in such a sexual sewer that it can become unclear as to where the line is. Basically, anything sexually stimulating belongs in the marriage bed, Anything that would make you jealous for your future husband and wife to do with someone else should be off limits. Do unto others as you'd have them do to you. You're not married yet, so you don't want, and you don't want to be in a position where you have to, if it doesn't work out, that you have to apologize to someone. Um, do unto others as you would have them do to you. Anything that would make you jealous for your future husband or wife to do with someone else should be off limits. Fathers are ultimately responsible for guarding their daughters in this, but I would urge every young man not to have any physical contact. I'm talking about handing, uh, handing holds. No handing holds, no holding hands, no, no side hugs, anything, until you're fairly sure this is the woman you're going to marry. Just, just have that as your, as your standard. Spend the first few months getting to know one another really well without the complications of physical touch. You say complications? Yes, right? It's hard to think clearly when, you, when, it's, when you're like, this is really fun. We're holding hands. Oh my gosh. <laughs> right? And you're gonna have that moment. And you're, oh my gosh, we're holding hands. And there's just like, there's electricity and there's fireworks and, and, and you know, and dad's gonna say, you know, are you theologically compatible? And you're like, yes! <laughs> We agree on everything, right? Just get it figured out before you do that. Get it figured out, right? Make, make sure you know. And again, uh, the fathers should be guarding this, but um, men, I would urge you as the, as the ones who need to be leading in this relationship to be thinking to yourself, I'm, I I'm gonna keep that, I'm not gonna do that, anything, until I'm pretty sure, at least in my mind, that if God will bless this, I wanna marry her. If you know that, then I think you can begin heading down that road with her father's permission. But again, very, very slow. Be careful. Eight, this includes remaining chaste spiritually and emotionally. So not just physically and sexually, which of course is, is important, but um, you need to remain chaste spiritually and emotionally. Some Christians would never dream of sexual impurity but they are complete idiots when it comes to undressing themselves spiritually and emotionally. They think it's pious to share their most intimate feelings and thoughts because it was, you know, given in the form of a prayer request. No, it's like, no, it's like, just because you said, will you pray for me? And then you just, bleh. and, and like, just, you know, pulled out your heart boom, 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 and, and said, will you please hold this for me? And like, that's, you know, in a strange sort of ways, that's still unchaste. And, and partially because, this is partially because men and women are different and women t can tend to be willing to do this and think that it doesn't matter and don't know that in, in certain ways, it's, um, it doesn't mean the same thing for the man. Um, 
and I can't really completely explain that to you. But it's just true. And I would just basically, you should be thinking to yourself, um, um, there's a, think of a, think of like a rug, like a, a long throw rug that you could roll up. Think of different parts of that throw rug, rug as all of your, the parts of your relationship. So there's like a physical, um, there's spiritual, emotional, intellectual, whatever, agricultural, I don't know. <laughs> all, all the parts of your relationship. I don't even know what that means. Um, but all of the elements of your relationship, you want them to line up. You want them to match. And so as you get to know someone, you are starting to unroll that rug a little bit. Um, you're spending more time together. You're, you're, you're talking about more things together. You're, you are, um, you know, you will be at a meal together and you'll pray together. And, you know, there, there are things like that. But there's a way to un try, start unrolling that carpet in a, in a really wonky way where one side's rolling way down because you're, you're getting really, really spiritually intimate and you're sharing all of your thoughts and feelings in a way that's really unchaste. Your most intimate thoughts and feelings are not just for some random guy who asked you out. They're for your husband, right? So this kind of emotional and spiritual intimacy uh, can end up being a weird kind of foreplay. Sometimes couples start struggling with temptations here because they've invited that kind of intimacy. If you don't want to be that close physically, then don't be that close emotionally. Don't be that close uh, in terms of sharing all your thoughts and feelings. Nine, spend your courtship with other people or in public. Don't hang out alone all the time. Of course, it's fine to go on a walk, two of you, or go out to dinner. If, again, if parents have given the blessing, have talks one-on-one, -on -one, sure. But don't pretend you're married when you're not. Don't spend a whole bunch of time in contexts where the natural place for you to be spending that alone time would ordinarily look like you were married. Lots of time alone in the car together, um, alone in the, your apartment, uh, etc. cetera. Uh, these are recipes for disaster. Don't act like you're at a place in, in your relationship, which isn't true. Um, uh, anyway, if you really do want to get to know someone, you want to see them interacting with their parents, their siblings, and their best friends. You can't pretend to be someone you're not around those who know you the best. If you really want to get to know them, then don't, don't do the one-on-one -on -one thing too much. Um, mostly do hang out with other people, mostly hang out with family, mostly hang out with friends. It's the best way to get to know one another. 10, the basic shape of marriage we're given in scripture is husbands are to love their wives like Christ loved the church and wives are to respect their husbands and submit to them like the church does to Christ. So this means that the fundamental thing you're trying to figure out is whether you are well-equipped to love this woman well and does your love bless her and whether you are well-equipped to respect this man well and does your respect bless him. So that's really, I mean, those are the fundamental uh, commands that God gives to us in scripture, husbands and wives. Husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her making her pure and holy without blemish. Wives, respect your husbands. Submit to your husbands as the church does to Christ. Of course, this will come out in many day-to-day -day details and how you, um, you know, how you go, how you get together and go out to the park to play volleyball, how you, you know, you end up going over to your folks' house after the event, how you go, you know, how the walk goes, how the conversations go. Lots of details, but you should be thinking to yourself, what I'm trying out for, or what we're trying out together here is this goal of me being able to love well and her being able to respect well. So do, do, are you, do you love her? Are you able to love her like that? And, and, and notice there's a, you know, don't just think, do I have warm feelings about her, right? That's not, that's not what I mean here. I, I mean this kind of, um, are you able to lead her? Are you able to see what she needs and are, are you able to, bless her. And it's just little ways because of course you're not her husband. And so there's all kinds of ways in which it's none of your business, but there's little ways in which you're going to have opportunities to try it. Can you lead her well? And does she like it? And is, do you like the way he leads? Do you respect it? Do you look up to it? Does, do you admire it? Those are the questions you want to be asking. 
Don't forget those central tasks, love and respect. Do you want to lay your life down for her and make her more like Christ? Do you respect him highly? Do you want to follow him? 11, closely related, while you do not need to have your whole future figured out, some areas of interest should be on the table for discussion and vocations and callings with particular weight should be addressed. So for example, are you planning to be a missionary to China? You should probably tell her. Do you wanna be a police officer? Do you wanna join the military? Do you want to be a doctor? Are you planning to move to Hollywood and make movies? Some of these things, if they're on the table, should, they should be parts of the conversation. Um, you don't need to have the whole thing figured out. You don't need to necessarily be absolutely committed to it. Although if you are absolutely committed to it, again, she ought to know. Um, the, um, I, I've told men who are considering the ministry this before, um, it's, it's a similar kind of thing. Not, um, not every wife is cut out to be a minister's wife. Not every wife is cut out to be a military wife. Not every wife is cut, and, and, you know, and whatever else uh, you might be thinking about, um, that should be, as much as you know, talked about, um, brought up. Um, also related to that would be, um, uh, you also need to talk about, um, there's, a, there's a good, um, there's a, a, you could probably find this in a few different books, but there's a checklist um, that uh, I, think, um, I think is Desiring God um, called Questions Asked When Preparing for Marriage um, that I've printed out and handed to couples before, but it's a great checklist of just asking lots of questions. Ask lots of questions, lots of questions. And as you're getting to know one another, um, you should both have lots of questions to ask one another. But gents, you in particular, as leaders in the relationship, be thinking in terms of, I wanna think of categories. Think of categories of things you wanna talk about. Um, the, the helpful thing about this checklist that the guys at Desiring God put together is that it's like, there's some things about like, what do you think about you know, um, health and nutrition? What do you think about, um, you know, do you buy new or used cars? Do you, you know, do you, are you into shopping thrift stores or are you into, you know, whatever, Abercrombie and the, and the Gap or whatever? Um, are you, but it's a lot of like, just all over the, all over the place, but ask those questions. And it's not like you're gonna, it's not like you're gonna ask everything. It's not like you're gonna, and it's not like you're gonna get engaged and then think, oh no, I forgot. I mean, um, hope, hopefully. Um, but, you know, um, what's your Bible reading like? Um, what's, your, what's your church background like? Um, what, what, how was your family growing up? What, what's your folks like? What was, um, you know, all those kind of things. You should be asking as much of that as possible as you get to know one another. Lastly, 12, sexual history. Um, you shouldn't bring up your sexual history on the second or third date, but if you have any significant sexual sin in your past or history of porn use, for example, that needs to be disclosed to the father uh, or to the man courting you through your father, if it's on the girl's side, as soon as it looks like this relationship is likely to go somewhere. So the, this is a do unto others as you'd have them do to you. Um, but if there is something that you know, uh, this was something that happened back in the day, and I know it has to be brought up, it's not the first few dates, but if things are looking good and, and uh, look like they're gonna go somewhere, you would wanna bring it up sooner than uh, you know, when you ask her to marry you. Yeah, that's bad timing. Um, so with, with plenty of time, because basically the do unto others as you would have them do to you is, if it's the kind of information that you would want to know going into a marriage, then you wanna give them that kind of information at a point in the story where they can do something with it, which would allow them to say, oh, you know, um, actually, um, I'd rather not, and they can back out of it freely. Um, and related to this is in, in courtship, I said this at the beginning, um, there's courtship's not pre-engagement, right? Courtship is getting to know someone, which means that at any point in courtship, you're free to say, you know, thanks so much, no thanks, and walk away. And if you're doing it in an honorable way, if you've been honoring the parents and you've been honoring her and you've been honoring him and you've been doing unto others as you would have them do to you, it, you know, there can be some disappointment when it doesn't work out, but you can walk away and there's no guilt, no shame, and it's not terrifying or shameful to see them on the street next week. Um, 
there can be some disappointment. There can be a little bit of, um, uh, you know, bummer, it didn't work out. But you know what? It, when you do it in a God-honoring way, it's the kind of thing where you can walk away from it and be joyful, cheerful, thankful, wish them the best because you've treated her like a sister. You've treated him like a brother in the Lord. And even if you don't want to be best friends after that, it, you're not, it's, not a, it's not in a place where you've got all kinds of uh, hurt feelings, resentment, and bitterness. So hopefully this has been helpful and I've left you 10 minutes to ask questions. And um, we'll, just, we'll just set the stage for the questions as um, all of these questions um, you can be asking for a friend. <laughs> unless you don't want to, unless you want to be that guy. Yes, sir. Oh. Mm. Um, I think the thing, um, well, there's, um, yeah, one of the, one of the uh, good books on courtship, I would say, is um, Her Hand in Marriage by Pastor Doug Wilson. Um, the, um, but one of the things I would say is, again, that would be the kind of thing where at least early on in the courtship, this would be in the encouragement of don't go too fast, even on the theological or like study side of things too. Um, so you, you might give each other book recommends. You know, hey, have you read that? Oh, I really like that. Hey, have you read that? Yeah, I really, what'd you think? I like that one too. Like, that, that'd be all cool and everything. I would be a little bit riding the brakes on doing an in-depth book study together um, right off the bat um, uh, for some of the reasons I, I mentioned earlier. But Her Hand in Marriage would be great. I think um, uh, Pastor Doug's other family books I'd, I'd highly recommend. Um, um, Reforming Marriage, Federal Husband, um, Fruit of Her Hands by um, Mrs. Nancy Wilson. Um, I, um, I have a book called No Mere Mortals, um, which is based on uh, the premarital um, counseling that I do with couples. Um, but, um, but maybe wait for that one until you're actually engaged. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, it would just, I would just say, but um, those would be some starters. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. Well, I'd say um, there the um, the goal there would still be to be as fruitful a mother as you can possibly be. And so, for many people who are barren, that would mean adopting. Um, maybe some it would mean doing foster care, and maybe some um, are really active in their communities. Um, so in the Bible, um, Deborah was called a mother in Israel. Um, the, um, in, uh, at the end of Romans, Paul um, says, to, um, he's in the, at the end, he's giving all his thanks to all his friends in Rome, and he says, make sure you say hi to Rufus, and especially his mother, who has been a mother to me. Um, and so I think um, all women are called to a ministry of motherhood, a fruitful fruitfulness. And, um, and that ordinarily looks like bearing biological children. And for some, it would mean being a mother by adoption or foster care, or just how they minister in their community. There's some been glorious Sunday school teachers and um, school teachers um, who sometimes were women either who had never been married or couldn't have their own children. And they gave themselves away to many children in that way. That helped. Others? Yes, sir. <laughs> this is, this is this, this is the mystery, actually. There's, in Proverbs, it says, the way of a man with a virgin is too wonderful for me. I don't, I don't understand it. Um, that's probably another talk. Um, but I, um, no, I, I, I think, um, but I, I mean, honestly, I would say, um, uh, Pastor Doug actually has used this. Oh, there's a couple other books. Um, get the Guy, Get the Gal. I've not read them yet, but um, uh, those are, I think they've come out in the last year. Um, and he uses a phrase, how to be the guy 
that the girl you'd want to have, I don't know how it got, I don't know, it's too complicated for me, but uh, what, you know it? There you go, there you go, like what she said. Um, but I think that principle is right. So I think, I think you're, um, you can't guarantee that you're going to be interesting to every young lady, and that's probably best, actually. Um, and, and vice versa, um, that, you know, there's, you can't guarantee that, um, uh, that you're gonna be interested in a, um, a, a gentleman. But I would say what you wanna do is you wanna be, um, uh, you want to be growing in um, godliness in every single, in every, every facet. And, and don't just think godliness in terms of making sure you read your Bible and pray. Yes, do those things. That, that's essential. But also be growing into the kind of man that uh, reflects the image of your father, the image of God. That's godliness too. And so your vocation, you, um, your studies, your hobbies, um, the things that you're into, um, Pursue those things with all that you are. And I think this goes both ways for, for guys and gals. You ought to be growing in godliness, meaning you want to reflect your maker in as much glory as you possibly can, as, as you possibly can. Be the man who reflects God's glory. Be the woman who reflects God's glory. And then I would also just say, have a great sense of humor. I mean, this is just, it really is hilarious. God, I mean, God like made men and women and then he said, watch this. Right, and this is going to be hilarious. Watch this. It's like angels, come here, check this out. <laughs> They're all a bunch of dummies. Watch. It's, it's just you just have, a, have to have a great sense of humor. Just you do, and so um, uh, you know, guys, God's make is you. You've got to be strong. You've got to be tough. Women have to be strong and tough too. Uh, but um, you need to just um, uh, not. Um, you know, this is why. Doing hard things as you're growing up is good for you. Failing at hard things is good for you um, because um, part of uh, winning a woman is gonna be one of the hardest things you do and one of the most rewarding things. And um, if you end up like the guy in, in the picture, um, then you say, well, she, I don't know why she wasn't interested in my nuclear physics. <laughs> then you need to find a woman that's really into your nuclear physics, right? They're out there, I guarantee you, they're out there. Um, but, you know, um, there's more to say, but that's a good start. Grow into the kind of, just, you want to be thinking, I want to be, I want to be radiating the glory of my Father and, and, and trusting God that, that the way that you grow and you're becoming the man or the woman that God intends for you to be is going to make you the right kind of attractive to the right person. And for other people that aren't interested in that kind of glory, oh well, too bad for them. They're going to find some other glory. Yeah. Yeah, right, great question, great question. Um, uh, I'll tell you a story first. This will, this will have to be the last one because this is a good story. All right, um, when I moved to South Carolina a, a number of years ago, if my friend from South Carolina happens to watch this, hi. Um, but uh, this, this fellow, single guy, probably in his um, mid, uh, upper 20s, really wanted to get married, had read Doug's books, and he, he was, went to a different church, but he came and met me and was like, I, I, you know, would you please kind of hold me accountable? I, I want to pursue a woman. I want to get married. And I was like, yes, I'd be glad to do that. And he said, all right, um, we'll be praying for me. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm, 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 hunt, I'm in the hunt, you know. And uh, okay, great. And uh, he, comes back, he comes back to me a couple, a couple months later, and he sort of says, man, it's been rough. I said, well, what happened? He said, well, I went, there's this Christian swing dance night. And I went down to Christian swing dance night, met a girl. We, had a, we hit it off. We had a great night together. At the end of the night, I said, hey, um, I'd love to get to know you better. Um, and can I, you know, I'd love to meet your dad and, and um, you know, just so that, you know, he knows. And can I take you out again sometime? And she looked at him and she said, what, are you some kind of creep? No way. And then just walked out. And he says, I thought we had a great night. She was like creeped out by me asking if I could talk to her dad. And so I, so I, you know, rusted off. A couple weeks later, um, you know, uh, went back to Christian swing dance night, and uh, 
Apparently that was the place. And he said, met another girl and we hit it off. It was a great night, had a great time into the night. I said, hey, I'd love to get to know you better. I'd like to take you out sometime, you know, and, and you know, can, I, can I meet your dad and everything? She says, oh, that would be so sweet, of course. And so like the next night or a couple nights later, he goes over to her house to take her out, meets her dad and says, hey, I just wanted to meet you and, and uh, you know, get to know you. Cause I, you know, I'm not, I don't wanna just date around. I really do wanna be careful and honorable and you know, I'm, I'm looking to get married. And he says, get married? You stay away from my daughter, you jerk. And like kicked him out. And he comes back to me like this. He's like, what am I doing wrong? And I said, you know what? Just find a girl and take her out. Do it two or three times and then ask if you can meet her family. Third time was a charm. He's been married now for a number of years. First date, by the way, took her out on a hot air balloon ride. So you might want to write that one down, guys. That's, that's also completely free. Um, so long, long story um, to, your, to your question is, yeah, you've got you've to um, you read your situation. And so there are situations where um, the dad's not in the picture uh, or the dad doesn't want to be in the picture or whatever, and there's, and there's you know, difficulties there or just doesn't understand or whatever. And I think the principle is that you want to honor her father. You want to honor her parents. Um, in this situation, the dad had, was never in the picture, and it was a single mom, actually, in this situation. But he did go home and meet her, her, her mom uh, after several dates and, uh, and made sure that she was in the picture. But I would say, you just want to do everything you can to honor the parents. And so, because there's, there's not a verse that says, you have to ask dad first, then take her to coffee. That's just our way of just showing that honor, and it, and it usually is a good um, practice. But if, you know, if it's someone who maybe is not from our community or someone who didn't grow up in this community, it's not dishonorable to, to walk up to a girl and say, hey, I'd love to get to know you better. Um, sh can I take you out or should I call your dad? Or That's straight up the middle and that's honorable. It's, it's no, you didn't break any rules by asking her. You didn't know. Should I, should I call your dad or, you know, can I take you out? Or how, how, would you, how does your family do that? Girls, don't be offended if a guy asks you that question. That's a perfectly reasonable question to ask. You don't need to assume that, you know, he had to have known. He might not know what, how your family does things. And then don't, you know, work with one another. But um, so I would just say, honor father and mother as best you can. If there's no parents in the, situ in this, in the, in the picture, I would, I would strongly urge you, though, to get other um, men that you trust and respect um, around you who can give some protection, maybe a trusted pastor or elder. Um, maybe sometimes the man's father can kind of help a little bit too, although he's entirely biased. But, um, but, um, but I would say, you know, there's, that's why we're in a church community as well. So there, you may not have your own father, but maybe you have a pastor or an elder um, or someone like that who can provide some of that kind of protection and care. So, all right, y'all, thanks so much. enjoyed this episode, be sure to check out more from Pastor Toby Sumter and more from the Collegiate Reformed Fellowship Collection on Canon Plus.